This show is brought to you by HelixSleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to HelixSleep.com slash DailyWire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20. Today on the Matt Wall Show, a major science publication endorses Joe Biden, hails him as the most pro-science candidate in the race. Of course, the Democrat Party has for years called itself the party of science, but does it deserve that label? I would say no, not remotely. We'll talk about why. Also, five headlines, including President Trump's historic peace deal and the heroic female police officer who was shot in that assassination attempt over the weekend has been identified. Oddly, the media, not very interested in her story. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel the cowardly pastor who apologized to his congregation uh, when his associate pastor criticized BLM during a homily. It was a great homily. Of course, I got a criticism from the pastor. We'll talk about that also today on the show. But we start here. The Scientific American came out this week with its first presidential endorsement in 175 years, urging its readers to vote for Joe Biden. Donald Trump claims the publication rejects evidence and science, whereas Biden allegedly has a record of following the data and being guided by science. Now, on the heels of this announcement, Joe Biden's wife, Jill Biden, tweeted, hashtag vote for science. Then Governor Andrew Cuomo wrote simply, science knows. Not sure what that means exactly or what Cuomo thinks science knows. Hope for his sake that it doesn't know about the thousands of nursing home patients he killed. In any case, uh, many others on the left and in the media chimed in hailing Biden as science's guardian and protector and themselves as its greatest fans. Now, Biden is glad to play this role. Speaking in Wilmington on Monday, as we discussed on the show yesterday, the former vice president spoke about the need to govern according to science. Uh, he also said this, just to refresh your memory. Donald Trump climate denial may not have caused these fires and record floods and record hurricanes. But if he gets a second term, these hellish events will continue to become more common, more devastating, and more deadly. And meanwhile, Donald Trump warns that integration is threatening our suburbs. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But you know what is actually threatening our suburbs? Wildfires are burning the suburbs in the West. Floods are wiping out suburban neighborhoods in the Midwest. Hurricanes are imperiling suburban life along our coast. If we have four more years of Trump's climate denial, how many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away in superstorms? If you give a climate arsonist four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised if we have more America blaze? 
If you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is underwater? We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. And unless we take urgent action, it will soon be more catastrophic. Joe Biden, patron saint of science, apparently believes that there is some sort of physical mechanism by which the president of the United States can actually cause hurricanes to materialize and floodwaters to rise. Now, he's not talking about humans merely contributing in some partial way to gradual changes in climate over the course of many decades. He's suggesting that one single human on earth today can, through his own exertions, have a material impact on global weather conditions. So when Biden and his supporters speak of science, this is what they mean. But at least Biden's theory of climate change is slightly less crazy than crazy Nancy Pelosi's, who recently speculated that wildfires happen because Mother Earth is angry. She is telling us the climate crisis is real. We'll play that again, too, uh, just to just so we can relive it. Here it is. We have these fires in California and in the West, uh, 16 people have died in Washington, Oregon and California, uh, including a firefighter and a one year old baby. Uh, we our firefighters have been so very, very courageous. Now we're again breaking records. Mother Earth is angry. She's telling us whether she's telling us with hurricanes on the Gulf Coast, fires in the West, whatever it is, that the climate crisis is real and has an impact. So the idea that natural disasters are the result of a displeased earth goddess may have passed for science among ancient tribes in the year 6000 BC, but it's a bit outmoded in the modern age. Yet this again is what we get from the party of science. Party of Science also tells us that uh, the child conceived by two human beings and developing in the womb of his mother is not fully human or not fully person or not fully alive. They can't really make up their mind. As an MSNBC anchor once put it, the answer to when life begins, quote, depends an awful lot on the feelings of the parents. These same custodians and conservators of science say that a male can have a functioning female reproductive system, a female can have a penis and a Y chromosome, or perhaps, say the, the science lovers, a person may have no gender at all. They may be gender fluid, possessing no discernible form, just lumps of ambiguous beings slithering aimlessly over the earth. Once again, science. Now, I have personally asked, uh, as I mentioned before, I've asked two prominent leftists with doctorates, one a medical doctor, the other a supposed uh, internationally recognized expert on sexuality, to define the words man and woman. And neither of these left-wing science experts with PhDs could do it. Dr. Eugene Gu uh, told me that uh, a man can be identified as anyone who identifies as a man. And Dr. Logan Levkoff insisted that a woman is, quote, anything she wants to be. Now, the latter answer might make a good inspirational slogan for a guidance counselor's bulletin board, but it is not science. Perhaps the situation can be maybe summarized this way. The side of the political aisle that talks the most about science and most trumpets its own commitment to the methods of science, also believes that it's possible that a man who is pregnant with a non-human fetus might die in a hurricane caused by the president. That's all that needs to be said to establish that the party of science has rather failed to live up to its assumed name. And this should be no surprise. I mean, how could a worldview that is so committed to relativism have any real commitment to science? Science, after all, is the study of what is. It's the struggle to understand reality on its own terms. To think scientifically about objective reality, you must first admit that 
there is such a thing and that its rules and laws cannot be changed for your sake and that you are, at least in strictly physical terms, but a speck of dust on a slightly bigger speck of dust hurtling through the abyss. Face reality and accept your real place in it. That must be the starting point for any scientific inquiry. But that's not something that the modern left can or will do. It claims that reality is bendable and mutable according to the will of the individual and that any difficult facts about the world or ourselves can be simply wished away. That's the opposite of science. And when enough people adopt that way of thinking, the leftist way of thinking, it is the death of science. This mentality has seeped into our scientific scientific institutions. So-called scientists and doctors coming out now saying that white supremacy is a public health crisis. There's no justification for this. There's no evidence. It's not science. But they want it to be true, so they say that it is. Meanwhile, psychologists and doctors have legitimize the idea that a young boy can have a girl stuck in his body in some mysterious dualistic way and that the best way to treat this condition is to give him hormone pills. This is dogma, belief, faith, superstition, voodoo. It is many things. Science is not not on the list, though. You know what else is part of science? Skepticism. If you care about science, if you believe science, if you trust and follow science, if you think science knows, whatever that means, then You're a skeptic and you respect and welcome skepticism. That doesn't mean you have to be agnostic about everything. It just means that you ask questions. Uh, You think critically. You don't accept anything as fact based solely on the insistence of some other person. If somebody makes a claim, you're likely to respond, oh, why do you think that? Or how do you know? Or even better, why should I believe that? That's skepticism. It's healthy. It's necessary. Science cannot exist without it. But skepticism, too, in our culture, is rejected, shouted down. Skeptics are burned at the stake, metaphorically. Perhaps soon, not so metaphorically. Take the issue with masks, for example. A skeptic says, oh, well, what's the science behind this? Are we sure that it works? Are we sure it's not doing more harm than good? How sure are we? Why are we sure, if we're sure at all? What's the evidence? These are valid questions, intelligent questions, skeptical questions, scientific questions. But the alleged lovers of science will pelt you with rocks if you so much as whisper them. So, many of the people who say they love science actually hate it and are extremely antagonistic towards it. Democrats are not the party of science, and the left are not the champions of science. And our culture, so far as it is driven by these forces, is not one that is friendly to science, or truth for that matter, in any other form. Let's get to our five headlines. You know, these days, uh, it's it's really important to find companies that support our values. Uh, it's one thing, you know, you're, you're looking for products and services that you that you want and that are right for you, for your family. But the other problem is that we run into as conservatives is that so often you end up supporting companies that don't support you and that are actively working against you in the culture. Um, and that's something we struggle with, I think, as conservatives all the time. Here's a solution to that problem, at least in one area. The pro-life phone company, Charity Mobile. Uh, you got to support this this uh, company because they support us. They support what we believe in. If you if you go with Charity Mobile, five percent of your monthly plan price goes to the pro life, pro family charity of your choice. Uh, the great thing is new activations, eligible accounts also get a free cell phone with a free activation and free shipping. Credit check required uh, on that. But so you're getting you're, you're supporting a cause that you believe in, the most really the most important cause in the culture, which is a pro life cause. Uh, But you're also getting a great service as well. No contracts, no termination fees, 
no risk with a 30-day guarantee. Also, you get live customer service, and it's based right here in the USA. Uh, and you get all kinds of other frills that go with it. You, get a, you can block use of cellular data, uh, picture messages, text messages on any lines on your account. Uh, you get free usage alerts. You get a free app to monitor your, your usage. You could, so you can pay your bill. And, uh, and you know, I think most importantly of all, of all, though, you can help build a culture of life in America while supporting a pro-life company. Uh, this means that you can turn every day uh, into sort of effortless giving for the charity of your choice. Uh, America's largest and most reliable 4G LTE network. Um, you also get with, it, with, with Charity Mobile. I've been using Charity Mobile for several months now, and uh, it just feels good to know that I've got a great service, but I'm also supporting uh, the cause that I believe in uh, most of all, which is the pro-life cause. You can call Charity Mobile at one 474 3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. All right, let's get to our uh, five headlines. And I don't have this actually written down as a headline, but I, I saw it right before we started here uh, that Cardi B is getting divorced. So a very sad development. I, th- I feel like that should be the number one. Cardi B was married to a gentleman named Offset. I don't know if that was his Christian name. Greatest romance of our time, Cardi B and Offset. And they are getting divorced. You know, who would have ever thought that rolling around on the floor naked and singing about your WAP may not be the healthiest thing for your marriage? I, I, I didn't see I could I couldn't I never could have seen that coming. But all of our hearts are breaking today. Um, all right. Anyway, let's get to the real headlines. Reading from Fox News says, on Tuesday, President Trump was joined by Israeli President uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, UAE Foreign Minister Abdullah bin Zayed Al-Nayhan, and Bahrain Foreign Minister Khalid bin Ahmed Al-Khalif, there we go, to sign the Abraham Accords, something the president hailed as the dawn of a new Middle East. However, says Fox, CNN's coverage of the event was less focused on the groundbreaking peace agreement and instead shamed the White House for holding such an event amid a pandemic. During the network's 3 p.m. program, CNN anchor Brooke Baldwin accused the president of denying the science, there we go, of coronavirus, citing the over 195,000 deaths. Um, She later negatively emphasized the hundreds of people that attended the outdoor White House event and knocked the president for holding a packed indoor event in Arizona. Okay, so there you go. Of course, CNN has to, you know, find something else to focus on. You got a historic peace deal. This is what they're, this is what they've got, they're, they're going with because they're pathetic frauds. But I will say, putting CNN to the side on this peace agreement. I've criticized Trump plenty uh, and with no no regrets about that. But the man has been, I think, pretty easily uh, the best foreign policy president in decades, at least. And I'd give him that title just simply based on the fact that he hasn't started any new wars. And it's sort of sad that that's where the bar is right now. Don't start a new war and you're the best foreign policy president in a generation. But, but uh, that, that is where it is. And now you add this on top of it. And I think easily he wins as best foreign policy president uh, in, in decades, in my lifetime, really. Number two, on the sh- uh, one of the sheriff's deputies who was shot in that assassination attempt in Los Angeles over the weekend has been identified. Uh, her name is Claudia Apollinar, 31 years old, mother, was a librarian before becoming a cop. And she's currently still in the hospital under guard for her own safety, of course expected to recover, thankfully. Now, this is a pretty remarkable story. You got a young woman, young mother, decides to leave her job as a librarian, gets into law enforcement, not but a year, maybe a little bit over a year into becoming a deputy, she's shot in the face and the torso multiple times. And what does she do? 
You know, there's the video of this with a, with a bullet wound in her face, bleeding profusely, hardly able to speak, presumably in intense, unimaginable pain. She helps her partner apply a tourniquet. You know, for all she knows, she's moments away from death. And what is she doing? She's, she's caring for her partner. This is real heroism. I mean, this is a, a badass woman right here. This is what that is. So why isn't the left champion championing her? Why aren't they blaring the trumpets about this story? Why aren't they telling her story at all? This is a, a hero woman. Uh, it's, it, it seems like also a Hispanic woman taking care of her male partner after sustaining a gunshot wound to the face. You think this would be the kind of story that our liberal friends would eat up? I mean, they're constantly coming out with movies um, with, with fake versions of kick-ass females who do this kind of thing. Here's the real thing, the real item in the flesh. And they don't seem very excited about it. We all know why. Because the left has devolved to the point where they aren't allowed to celebrate or honor anyone who is not a violent criminal. All of their heroes recently are violent criminals. They have no heroic heroes. All of their heroes are scumbags who happen to get shot by the cop. cops. That's, that's the requirement for being a hero on the left today. Being a real hero disqualifies you. Um, that's the left. But the rest of us, the rest of us can honor and celebrate this woman. Incredible story there. Uh, number three, you may have noticed that those riots in Lancaster that we talked about to start the week seem to dissipate pretty quickly. Um, one night of rioting. And then it's, it's done. We haven't heard anything else about Lancaster. Now, this is in contrast to Portland, Seattle, where it went on for months on end. Kenosha, it went on for weeks. In Lancaster, one night and it's done. Why is that? Well, I think this might help solve the puzzle. According to the New York Post, several of the rioters arrested are now facing $1 million bail. Now, you can see right here, uh, this is the, the, their mugshots. One of them is a, the, the blonde chick there. One of them, she's a sorority girl, apparently. And now she's in jail and she can't get out. She's got a million dollars bail. Um, they're all learning. You know, this is what happens when you pull this crap out in the country. And it's not just bail. Police in Lancaster, they came down hard on the rioters. They were using tear gas the very first night. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't spot the rioters two weeks to riot before they even tried to enforce the law. no immediately they were out there with, with, uh, in full force tear gas. And, um, and there are videos of them, you know, rolling up in vans, not unmarked vans, liberals. You don't need to freak out about that. They are, they are marked vans, but they came, they identified the ringleaders of the rioting and they singled them out and they, they rolled up in the police vans and they took them and arrested them. And now they're facing a million dollars bail. So what do we learn? When you give these punks consequences, real consequences, the problem goes away. Lancaster came down hard, arrested people, harsh penalties. What do you know? Rioting stops. And that's why we don't need to hear anything about resources. That's one of the excuses we've heard in places like Portland and Seattle. We don't have the resources. What resources do you think Lancaster has? This is Amish country. How often do you think the police officers in, in Amish country are dealing with rioting? It's probably the first time ever. And yet they were able to put it down that quickly, simply through 
enforcing the law and having real consequences. Because most of these people that are out rioting, they don't want any part of that. They're doing it for fun. They're doing it because they're nihilists. They're doing it because they've got misdirected rage and they're just and they and they're they're just spraying it in every direction. Uh, you start you start making it real for them and it goes away. All right, um, where are we? Number four. This is fascinating from the Daily Wire again. A group of astrophysicists say they've accidentally stumbled upon a possible hint of life on Venus, um, an unexplained chemical that could indicate the presence of bacteria or even ongoing activity associated with specific chemical processes. Uh, Live Science reports that the team was trying to get a baseline read for phosphine from a planet, uh, Venus, not thought to have phosphine in the, in the atmosphere. And then it turns out that it does. And there's a lot of scientific stuff here that I'm not going to read. But basically, phosphine is a sign of life uh, because the thing with phosphine is that it's... Um, it, uh, it, uh, it's, it phosphonates and it creates a, 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 I have no idea. Actually, I have no, no clue whatsoever. But the point is, apparently there might be some kind of life. Now, I'm assuming that any life on an 800 degree planet with a toxic atmosphere probably is not intelligent. We're not looking at an intelligent civilization, uh, probably something more like Portland. But either way, I, you know, I, I've always considered it plausible that there could be intelligent life in our solar system on other planets, if not Venus, then maybe Mars. And it seems plausible to me that they could have intelligent civilizations. The reason we don't see them with the satellites and, and the rovers and everything is that they're hiding underground because they don't want us to know about them. They were checking us out and seeing how things are developing on Earth. And they said, oh, crap, this isn't looking good. And so they're just they're hiding out and waiting for us to inevitably destroy ourselves, and then they can come back out and uh, live out in the open again. I, the way I look at it, I think earthlings are a little bit like, you know, you know like the, the, the kind of person you know, maybe an acquaintance who you know, and but if you see them at the grocery store, you're going to hide in the pasta sauce aisle until they leave. Because just because if they're obnoxious, and if you see them, they're going to start talking to you, and they're not going to go away. I think on a galactic scale, um, earth is probably a lot like that. Number five, a man in Oregon was arrested for starting a brush fire. Um, then, then released. So we just talked about how to do this the right way. You know, you, you arrest people and you keep them. This is the wrong way again, because we're back in Oregon. So he was arrested for starting a brush fire. He was released. Then he started six more and was arrested again. Now, between this and the gender reveal party that's, that we know also caused some of these fires, the link to climate change seems to be um, becoming a little bit less clear, shall we say. Maybe climate change has driven people mad and, and caused them to start fires and do gender reveal parties. I don't know. I think there was an M. Night Shyamalan movie that was sort of about that with Mark Wahlberg, if I'm remembering correctly. What was that movie called? Where the, the, the trees were like causing people to kill themselves because as revenge for deforestation. Am I making this up? No, it was called The Happening. Uh, I think that was a movie. Which, by the way, could you think of a lazier name for a movie than The Happening? What, what should we call the movie? I don't know. Things are happening in the movie. Maybe the happening. Um, finally, we just did number five. Here's a bonus. I, 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 can't, I can't not play this. I really enjoyed this clip. This is Nancy Pelosi on CNBC uh, yesterday with Jim Cramer. And here's what happened. What deal can we have, uh, crazy Nancy? I'm sorry. I, that, that was the president. I, I, I have such reverence for the office. I would never use that term. But it is but you hard, just did. isn't it? Oh, come <laughs> but on. But you just did. You know what I mean. You know, I know what, what I mean. mean. The I reverence do. I have I for the office <clears throat> is so great. No, he was, he was right the first time. 
Uh, Crazy Nancy. That's her name. I like how at the end he goes, oh, come on, you know what I meant. And she says, yeah, yeah, I know what you meant. Well, what, what, what did you mean? If not that she's crazy, isn't that what you meant? Um, I, I, and then, and then my next favorite thing is how Kramer emphasizes the respect he has for the office, not for her, but for the office. That's a backhanded compliment. He says, you know, I would never, I, I have so much respect and love for your office. Your office is what I like. Not so much you, but your office. Um, anyway, Nancy Pelosi, not having a great week. Uh, first someone poops on her driveway. Then she's called crazy on national television. Tough week for her. Pretty enjoyable for the rest of us, but kind of tough for her. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we're going to be canceling with great wrath and vengeance, Reverend Bob McCabe, a pastor at the Church of the Divine Child, Catholic Church, Michigan. Um, Reverend Bob is, is canceled for being yet another spineless, gutless, skinless, nearly translucent jellyfish-like creature masquerading as a leader and shepherd of Christ's flock. Specifically, Reverend Bob is canceled for apologizing for a good, truthful, and necessary homily given by his associate pastor. Father Paul Graney at the 430 Mass this past Saturday apparently caused controversy by speaking plainly and honestly about Antifa and BLM. Here's a bit of what Father Graney said. Well, these days, if you turn on the news or open a newspaper or click on any news source online the past three, four months or so, you've seen maybe some of the ugliest times in our nation's history. People have been out in our streets doing incredibly violent things in the name of justice. Cars have been torched, property has been destroyed, businesses looted and burned, and police officers and other people have been intimidated, assaulted, and even murdered. All in the name of justice, oftentimes rallying cry being, no justice, no peace. Well, this past week, just a couple days ago, or I think yesterday, uh, marked the 19th anniversary of 9-11 when Islamic terrorists hijacked passenger airplanes and flew them into the World Trade Center in New York City. Now, uh, Father Granny went on to say that Al-Qaeda, quote, came with the goal to destroy America little by little with acts of terror. But in 2020, many of our own people are now out there in the streets wanting to remake America into something else by destroying what it is today. Little by little, there's no great army, but it's a riot, but it's riot by riot. Now, reading from the Detroit News article on this has a little bit more information. It says, uh, Graney singled out two groups he said intended to, quote, implement communism, a stateless, classless society. One was Antifa. Uh, and then the other was Black Lives Matter. The associate pastor called the first an anarchist terrorist organization and rejected the second as working against the traditional family structure. And he read aloud from the BLM website from the pulpit. This is great. Um, Al-Qaeda's goal was to come to the United States and kill Americans. Really just wanted to wipe America off the map, quoting now from, from Father Graney. And they, they would have done it if they could. But today, those who uh, we see wanting to bring down America are Americans, and they want to do it under the facade of justice, freedom, and love. But it's all a bunch of baloney. It's anti-Christian. It's anti-family. It's evil. That was the homily. Everything he said there, of course, entirely, absolutely, undeniably true. Not just true. It's a necessary truth that many Christians in the pews need to hear. How do I know they need to hear it? Well, precisely because so many of them apparently didn't want to hear it. They complained and cried, and they said that the mean priest made their tummies hurt. And that's when Reverend Bob stepped in, and uh, he uh, admonished the, 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 uh, the priest publicly. In a statement on Facebook he posted, he said, 
Uh, I am so sorry that a homily given by Father Paul Graney at the 4.30 p.m. Mass on Saturday was, has brought forth division, anger, confusion, and chaos. Chaos. There's chaos in the streets because of this homily that a priest gave in the 4.30 p.m. Mass in Michigan. Uh, he said, I, I spoke first with a couple individuals shortly after this homily. I could sense their anger and their hurt. Anger and hurt at what? It's true, Reverend Bob. W- were they angry and hurt because the truth that Father Graney shared was difficult to hear? Were they angry and hurt because the truth was politically inconvenient to them and they don't want others to find out about it? Were they angry and hurt because, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. If you're angry and hurt by simply by simple statements of truth, that's on you. That's your problem. Um, it goes on here. Uh, this is the more of the statement. McCabe said he, he spoke with Graney, quote, to express my opinion that his homily was not pastoral or sensitive to all the people who would be hearing it. I also expressed concern that he did not attend, uh, did not mention any of the scriptures proclaimed at mass. A homily is supposed to reflect on and break open the word of God proclaimed. The next day, Graney gave a pastorally sound ho- uh, homily based on the scriptures, McCabe said. He went on to say, as your pastor, I want to assure you that at Divine Child, we love and respect all persons. Every person is sacred in the eyes of God, regardless of their race, religion, or sexuality. At different times, we need to focus on our different groups and their particular needs. Right now, the murder of countless persons of color demands a clear response. The entire human family needs to unite in confronting these injustices. Uh, We must protect the lives of persons of color and be the voice for people who do not have one. Okay, let me just say a few things here. First of all, I can guarantee you that this is the first time old Bob has ever had a problem with a priest not citing the gospel during his homily. I tell you that right now. His concern here has nothing to do with the priest's failure to break open the word of God. As it happens, one of the, one of the readings at mass last weekend was Sirach 2730, which says, quote, resentment and anger, these are foul things too, and a sinner is a master at them both. Whoever exacts vengeance will experience the vengeance of the Lord who keeps strict account of sin. BLM is all about exacting vengeance for perceived offenses committed against them. It's all about resentment and anger. That's the entire movement. Those are its guiding principles. Would Reverend Bob have been okay with the homily had Father Graney made this explicit connection? Something tells me he wouldn't have been. Second, the message delivered from the pulpit should not be sensitive to those who who hear it. If by sensitive you mean concerned primarily with protecting their fragile feelings. That is not what the priest is there to do. That's not why the church exists. That's not why people walk through those doors. And if that is why they walk through the doors, to have their ears tickled and their feelings protected, then it's better to scare them straight, slap some sense into them, rather than sacrifice truth for their sake. Third, no. In fact, we do not need to hear homilies about how the murder of persons of color is bad. We don't need to hear the priest stand up there and tell us that it's wrong for racist white people to murder black people. Everybody knows that. Everyone agrees with that. Everyone in the church already fully and totally and completely understands that. They don't need to be told. There's nothing more to be said on the subject. Also, it just so happens there is no such epidemic, as I've covered many times. Those those kinds of murders are extremely, extremely, extremely rare. And none of the high-profile police killings in recent years have had any established or even plausible link to racism. But aside from that... Sermons against racism, sermons against white supremacists killing black people, sermons about the wonders of racial unity, these are useless messages for the reason that everybody already agrees. It's the same reason why I assume, and I would hope, a priest isn't going to get up there on the anniversary of D-Day and deliver a message explaining why the Nazis were bad. 
There was a time and place where such a message was needed and real courage was required to give it. Bonhoeffer is a good example. But that time and place is not here, thankfully. So what a priest should be doing is thinking to himself, what can I say to these people that they might not already know or might not fully understand? What is it that they actually need to hear? The only reason he should ask himself what the congregation wants to hear is just so he can rule those subjects out completely. People can go anywhere to hear what they want to hear. Much of the media and Hollywood and pop culture exists precisely to scratch that itch. The church should not be in the giving them what they want to hear business. It should be in the truth business, the hard truth business, the necessary truth business. In fact, if you're a priest and you give a homily and it doesn't upset anybody in the pews, then it was probably a waste of time. But that's what the priest here did. He upset some people. He spoke some truth. And of course, the feckless coward masquerading as a spiritual leader apologized for it. And for that, he is canceled. But we should all, we should all uh, speaking of supporting people who support us, we should all support Christian leaders, priests, pastors, who actually do like this priest, who get up there and speak um, truth. Because here's, here's the other thing. They're going to they're gonna have to deal, as we saw here, they're going to have to deal with the wrath from um, many of the cowards in the pews and also the cowards who are above them. And that's what we saw here. So that priest is canceled. The other priest is, uh, is the opposite of canceled, whatever that is. We, we'll just we'll give him a round of applause. Um, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.